Welcome to the program, The Spirituality of the Catholic Church, as Father Paul Keenan teaches on God and man in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And now, Father Paul Keenan. Hello, I'm Father Paul Keenan. I'm Assistant Director of the Office of Communications for the Archdiocese of New York. And it's a pleasure for me to be with you once again as we talk about the faith of the Catholic Church and uh, how that faith is expressed in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Well, I said faith, but what we're really talking about is the spirituality of the Catholic Church. It is our faith, certainly, but more than our faith, as we've been seeing, it's our worship, and it's our uh, morality, and it's our prayer, all wrapped up into one. That really is what our spirituality is. And in a very real sense, this Catechism... We often think of a catechism as an expression of the things that we believe as Catholics and the things that the Catholic Church teaches, and it certainly is that. But this catechism, and this has been kind of the point of this series, this catechism is also a book on prayer from beginning to end. If you want to know how to pray, uh, you can pick up this catechism and you can find how to pray, how to pray as a, as a Catholic how to pray as a Christian. If somebody says to you, uh, how do Catholics pray? And, and, and you kind of stumble a little bit and say, well, um, they, they go to Mass on Sunday. Uh, and, um, and you don't know kind of what to say. Pick up a copy of this Catechism of the Catholic Church because from beginning to end, no matter what page you turn to in this Catechism, you'll really find what it is Catholics pray about. Just as uh, I could say, if you turn to any page of the Catechism, you'll find out what Catholics believe. If you turn to any page of the Catechism, you'll find out what Catholics do when they worship. I mean, if somebody says to you, uh, well, I, I really don't understand the Mass very well. How do, how do Catholics worship, or what does that mean? Well, there is no page of the Catechism that will not tell you that. The pages that talk about the Creed and what we believe will tell you who we're worshiping, and pages that tell you about prayer will tell you about how we get the ability to worship at all, and the pages that tell you about uh, our morality and and uh, what is right and what is wrong for us uh, will get, tell you the guidelines that uh, form our worship and uh, how we believe we should relate to each other, which is really at the heart of our worship. So there is no place in this catechism that doesn't include every other place. So if you're looking for a good book on spirituality and you're looking for for a way of really finding out, maybe you would consider turning to the Catechism of the Catholic Church and uh, after listening to uh, to these series, the series that we've had together, go back now and turn to the Catechism and have the courage to find in there uh, what our spirituality really is and, and how to pray to God. So if I say, gee, I haven't got a clue how to pray to God the Father Almighty, well, I can go into the Catechism and I can read this section on I believe in God the Father Almighty, and it will tell me who I'm praying to, give me a sense of who I'm praying to. Or I don't know what it means to, to pray to the Holy Spirit. I hear my friends in the prayer group all the time talking about praying in the Spirit, and I don't know what that means. Well... I can go back to the section of the, in the Catechism on, on prayer and the Spirit. 
and I can find out who the Holy Spirit is. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, and so on. Any of those articles of faith, uh, I can go back and I can turn now and I can understand what they mean. Or maybe, uh, maybe on Sunday when I went to church, the, the priest said, well, the, the liturgy is the great prayer of the church. And I don't know what he was talking about. Well, now I can go back. There's a section in the catechism on liturgy, on worship. And uh, I can get a sense of how when I go to Mass or when I happen to be going to a confirmation, if one of my children is making confirmation this year or, or First Communion, and I'm not sure maybe what I should be doing to help them prepare, I can go back to the catechism now and uh, and see what it is they're preparing for and how they're getting ready. So there's a lot here. And it all has to do, I think, with our spirituality from beginning to end. The spirituality that we have, not only as Christians, but as Roman Catholics. And also, the catechism is very, very rich in telling us a great deal about Eastern Catholicism as well. It's a great deal of Eastern Catholicism in here, and they explain that to us. So, it's a very great way of getting in touch with who we are as Catholics, so that we don't uh, flounder around and, and say we don't have any Catholic identity when we really do. You even hear people say today, I remember the days when uh, Catholic used, Catholics used to have a spirituality and they don't have that anymore. Well, we really do. We certainly do, very strongly do. And here it is. It's right here in this catechism. And so we're in this fourth part of the catechism now, which is about our prayer. It's the heart of who we are. And we've been saying that God thirsts for us and that that thirst is something that um, is expressed in a universal call to prayer, something that has been taking place from the very dawn of creation right to this present day. That We see it in Old Testament times, we see it in the prayer of Jesus, we see it in the apostolic church, and uh, we continue to see it down to this present day. God has always been calling us to turn, to come back to him in our good times and in bad, and to live his life in deep prayer. Well, the next thing that the Catechism does is to talk to us about the tradition of prayer in the Church. Um, it's not, as the Catechism says, just a spontaneous outpouring of our interior impulses. Um, in order to pray, one must have a will to pray. What we need to know, too, the Catechism says, is that there is a whole tradition of prayer within the church beyond the apostolic times, a tradition of prayer that has carried us along for centuries and centuries and centuries. The reason that they do this is that there is a theory of prayer, I think, that pretty much tends to say, well, I, I don't, people say, I don't know how to pray. You know, I, prayer is really just kind of a spontaneous outpouring of my life to God. Well, certainly it is. It is that. But sometimes when you give that answer to people, they can become very discouraged because uh, I might say, well, I don't know. I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to just let my heart come out to God. I, I don't know what to say. I set aside this prayer time and I don't know what to say. And so in this fourth part of the catechism, uh, the church 
takes us back to the tradition of prayer. It says you ought to know that uh, prayer is not just what you spontaneously pour out to God, but that there's a whole tradition of prayer. And maybe if you don't know what to say, one of the things that you can do is go back to how we have traditionally prayed, and maybe there you would find a home. Maybe there you'd find some words, something that would help you to be able to pray. And it begins this section on the tradition of prayer by talking about the wellsprings of prayer. At the very beginning of this, there's a wonderful um, expression. It says, The Holy Spirit is the living water welling up to eternal life in the heart that prays. You remember what's being alluded to here is that story of the woman at the well in John's Gospel where Jesus says to her, If only you knew to whom you were speaking, he would give you eternal life and it would well up inside you. He would give you this living uh, living water. And the church is telling us that in the Holy Spirit, we have this living water welling up to eternal life and that it's it's always been the case that we've had it. And it's expressed itself in the history of our church. It's expressed itself, first of all, in the in the Word of God. The church traditionally, again, when we say, I don't know how to pray or what to pray for, the church traditionally has brought us back to the Word of God as the source of our prayer, the Old Testament, the New Testament. Remember what St. Paul said in the beginning of the, at least early on in the letter to the Romans, that everything that has been written in the Scriptures was written for our encouragement and to give us hope. So the church has always, always brought us back through the fathers of the church, through the doctors of the church, all the great teachers of the church, always bring us back to the word of God as the place where we can find our word, our encouragement, our consolation, our hope, our answers, our directions. Another place that we go back to, the church always has traditionally brought us back to, has been the liturgy, the liturgy of the church. And we've talked a great deal about the liturgy of the church these days. The liturgy is all of the ways in which we worship, but particularly for us, the, the, the one that we encounter most is uh, the Mass, the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. When we come to the Eucharist, when we come to the Holy Sacrifice and the Mass, we come for instruction in prayer, and we can receive instruction in prayer there, powerful instruction in prayer. Because the whole flow of the Eucharist teaches us, teaches us to come and to cleanse ourselves of anything that should not be there in our lives. It teaches us to gather our thoughts. That's what the opening prayer does. It teaches us then to go back to the Word of God and to listen and sometimes I say, well, I don't know. I don't know how to read the Word of God. I don't know how to read the Bible. Well, the church every Sunday and every weekday has specific readings set out. So all we need to do is listen to those readings, and we're into the Bible. We're listening. Lays it right out there for us. Makes it easy for us. And then we're taught, once we hear the Word of God, to lift up our, our hearts and give ourselves to God, give everything to God, knowing that God will give himself totally back to us, as he does in the Eucharist. 
So the whole flow of the Eucharist is a flow of prayer for us. It's the prayer of contrition. I'm sorry. It's the prayer of gathering our thoughts together. It's the prayer of listening, that is listening to the Word of God. Did you ever think that listening was a prayer? Ordinarily, when we talk about praying, we, we talk about talking, don't we? And we often enough talk, 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 talk to God. Listening is a prayer as well, where I really listen to what God is saying. That's prayer, too. I mean, we know how we hate it if we have somebody in our lives who just talks incessantly at us. We want someone who will listen to us, hear what we need, hear what's in our hearts. And uh, God wants that as well. He wants us to listen. And listening is a prayer. Being silent before God is a prayer. Another thing besides the liturgy that God uh, that brings us back to God is the virtues. And the church uh, in the catechism mentions especially the theological virtues, the virtues of faith, hope, and love. Faith. One enters into prayer, the catechism says, as one enters into liturgy by the narrow gate of faith. We believe. That's why I said this whole first section, the whole first section of the catechism, on our belief could really also be a section on teaching us how to pray. So we want to know who it is we're praying to, what it is we believe will tell us. There's hope. Hope, where we learn not to be disappointed in God, but to wait patiently, that sometimes we just have to wait. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and he heard my cry, as it says in Psalm 40. Verse St. Paul says in Romans, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the living Spirit you may abound in hope. And so we're not disappointed when we hope. Sometimes I can get very discouraged and disappointed. I've had so many promises. Prayer brings us back to the virtue of hope. Prayer also brings us back to the virtue of love, because the reason that we're not disappointed Paul tells us in, in Romans, is that God's love has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And prayer draws us into those theological virtues, those virtues that God has placed in ourselves. And especially the liturgy draws us into those things and helps us to see that he is the source of our faith, of our hope, and our love. The Catechism quotes a beautiful prayer of the Curie of ours, which it's well worth our reflecting on as well. I love you, O my God, and my only desire is to love you until the last breath of my life. I love you, my infinitely lovable God, and I would rather die loving you than live without loving you. I love you, Lord, and the only grace I ask is to love you eternally. My God, if my tongue cannot say in every moment that I love you. I want my heart to repeat it to you as often as I draw breath. Beautiful prayer. Pretty much saying, uh, what would I do if I didn't pray? And how would I pray if it weren't for you, O Lord? When does this praying take place? 
We're talking about the wellsprings of prayer and how the church leads us back to sources of prayer, especially when we don't think we know how to pray. When does it happen? Well, the church uses the word today. It says, We learn to pray at certain moments by hearing the word of God and sharing in his paschal mystery, but his spirit is offered at all times in the events of each day to make prayer spring up from us. Does that sound familiar to you? Remember when we talked about the, cate- the uh, second uh, part of the catechism? We talked about the worship of the church, and we said that the sacraments are the timeline of our life, the beginnings, the healings, and the commitments. When we said that the liturgy of the hours consecrates each part of every day to God to show us how God is present in uh, every single hour of today and how the rhythm of the church's life teaches us that uh, across our year that God is always with us in the different seasons of our life, in Advent, in Christmas, in Easter, preceded by Lent. And then, of course, in the ordinary times of our lives, God is in all of those. And remember how we said that God is present in our individual week, calling us to choose some time for a a Sabbath? Well, God is present today. He's present all the time. And the church is constantly reminding us of that. You don't have to say, well, I, it was great yesterday. You told me there's this great tradition of prayer in the church and in the Old Testament and New Testament, but I sure don't see it today. Well, God is present today. That's the message of the church. Present right now where you are, where I am. Present today in all the events of your day. Remember divine providence, God's providence. There are no coincidences. God is always taking our lives, even our meanderings, and trying to draw out of them the course of his divine plan. Nothing escapes God. The Catechism here says something very beautiful at this point. I'm just going to quote it. Prayer in the events of each day and each moment is one of the secrets of the kingdom revealed to little children, to the servants of Christ, to the poor of the Beatitudes. Sometimes we say, oh, I I just think prayer is so mysterious. Well, there is a secret to it, all right. But the secret is that it's so available. (laughs) The secret to prayer is to pray out of the course of my life. My life is, uh, if I'm just having a very ordinary sort of day and not sure what I should be praying about, what can I bring to God today? Well, maybe I can bring the ordinary events of the day. Thank you, God, that I got to work safely this morning. Thank you, God, that I have this job. Thank you, God, uh, for my children. Thank you, God, for what I have, the resources that you've given me. Thank you, God, for the gift of prayer itself. God, I've had a terrible sorrow in my life today, and I want to share that with you and hope that you'll help me to be strong enough to withstand it. See, it's the stuff of ordinary life that I bring to God. I don't have to have big, noble words. It's the stuff of ordinary life. Look at the Psalms, the Psalms that have formed the backbone of our prayer in the church. And for so many years, the Psalms are such simple prayers. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my voice in supplication. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. 
When will help come to me? My help is from the Lord my God. Uh, these are simple prayers. They're very simple prayers. They come from the stuff of our life. So we don't have to wait till tomorrow to get some brilliant insight, and then we'll pray. We can pray from today. That's what the church is teaching us and telling us. Now, who do I pray to? Well, the church tells us in its tradition, we pray to the Father. There are prayers that we say to the Father. All of, in, in the Mass, uh, the prayers that we say are directed to the Father. But we can also pray to Jesus. Jesus, meek and humble of heart, make our hearts like unto thine. There's the prayer, which is just simply the name of Jesus. I can say the name of Jesus over and over and over again, and what a powerful thing that is. What a powerful way of praying that is, to say the name of Jesus over and over and over again. There's something about that name that just catches the very depths of my heart and my soul. And I can pray to the Holy Spirit. Don't we have a wonderful prayer in the church that we all know? Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of thy faithful and enkindle in them the power of thy love. Listen to what Gregory of Nancy Anzin says, by the way, if you wonder about uh, how can I pray to the Holy Spirit or should I pray to the Holy Spirit. He says, if the Spirit should not be worshipped, how can he divinize me through baptism? If he should be worshipped, should he not be the object of adoration? Well, if the Spirit is making my baptism possible, and if he did that, then certainly I should worship him. And if I should worship him, he should be the object of adoration. Wonderful little prayer that Gregory of Nazianzen says, a wonderful little reflection for us, to pray to the Spirit. Another little prayer that the Catechism uh, mentions is... Uh, uh, a prayer from the Byzantine liturgy, from the Pentecost Vespers. Heavenly King, Consoler Spirit, Spirit of Truth, present everywhere and filling all things, treasure of all good and source of all life, come dwell in us, cleanse us and save us, you who are all good. And we can pray, too, in communion with the Holy Mother of God. I mean, she was the one, after all, who taught Jesus to pray. She has such wonderful prayers like the Magnificat, even like the prayer that that encounter with the angel is, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, let it be done unto me according to your word. And we have such great prayers uh, to Mary in the church. The Hail Mary, such a beautiful prayer. The Catechism takes time to really break down the Hail Mary for us. Mary, it says, interestingly enough, is the perfect prayer, orans, the one who prays, the perfect one who prays. And in that way, she is a figure of the church. When we pray to her, we are adhering with her to the plan of the Father, that plan that he doesn't want to keep secret from us, but wants so very much to reveal to us. And in the church, we have people who are guides for our prayer, and among these guides are the saints. We talk about the communion of saints. And if we look at the prayer of the saints, we will find out a great deal about how to pray. So go read the lives of the saints if you want to know how to pray. There's plenty of good books available on their lives and on their prayer. 
maybe someday you might want to pray the way St. Lawrence prayed when they had him on the on a grill. They were martyring him. He just turned to his captors and he said, I think I'm pretty well done on this side. Why don't you turn me over now? <laughs> Could you and I do that in our moments of trial and torment? The saints can teach us a great deal about how to pray. And, of course, today, today, and you can't stress this enough, our families. The Christian family, the Catechism says, is the first place of education in prayer. The family is the domestic church where God's children learn to pray as the church and to persevere in prayer. For young children in particular, daily family prayer is the first witness of the church's living memory as awakened patiently by the Holy Spirit. And I think one for those of us who are priests, ordained ministers are also servants of prayer. Sometimes uh, we don't give enough thought to that, that one of our jobs is to teach people to pray, not only by praying for them, but also by our example, the way in which we celebrate the Eucharist, celebrate the sacraments, the way in which we officiate at rituals, I think tells a great deal to people about the way we pray and how we regard it. Or do we take time after Mass to say a little prayer of thanksgiving? Um, people will be encouraged to pray if they see us praying, if we do it. We don't do it for show. I'm not suggesting we should do it for show. But I'm saying we should do it. And we should let people see us doing it when we do it. Because uh, they need to, to know that we pray. I mean, that's what they look to us for, after all. And uh, and we can be real real places of prayer for them. There are prayer groups. There are many religious groups and um, uh, other groups within the church that have given themselves to prayer. Your parish may have a prayer group you would want to join to help you along in your life of prayer. And where should I pray finally? Well, the church building is the primary place of prayer. But you can also have a prayer corner at home, a little place that you set up to pray. Monasteries are great places of prayer, and so are pilgrimages. More and more people today are going on pilgrimages. But all in all, we have a fountain of strength and a fountain of power and a fountain of understanding God's Word in our prayer. Thank you for joining us today for the Spirituality of the Catholic Church with Father Paul Keenan. You may write to Father Keenan in care of the Office of Communications, Diocese of New York, 1011 First Avenue, New York, New York, 10022. 